concern themselves with the very primary needs of society, really. The most important entrepreneurs among us, I believe. <laughs> but of course, I'm biased. We want to understand how they view the world, what they do, and how they go about doing it. But of course, more importantly, we want to understand how we can be of service to them. Because we back entrepreneurs. I'm an agri-food ecosystem developer, founder of Foodmakers Africa, and impact maker at Future Agro Challenge in South Africa. Today we speak with Dr. Ape Omede, a Marie Curie Research Fellow who is currently busy with research in animal health. He recently started the Green Rice Hub Virtual Accelerator, which is an agri-tech program that supports really early stage and dear stage innovations in agriculture in Nigeria. Let's find out more about the Green Rice Hub and all the other incredible things that Dr. Emeta gets up to. So, hello, Ape. Thank you so much for joining us on We Back Agripreneurs. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you, Flo? I'm very good. I'm very good. Thank you. Um, I saw a little while back that you have a brand new program going in Nigeria to support agripreneurs. So I thought, so I thought I should reach out really and find out a little bit more what you are doing and, um, how you interface with agripreneurs and how you propel their businesses forward. Yeah. So, um, maybe you can start with telling us a little bit about yourself, Ape, where, where you are from and how you how you got involved with agripreneurship generally. Wow, thank you very much, Flo, for the, the time and opportunity to have this discussion. I, I believe it's um, a very important discussion for Africa and for Nigeria and for the entire uh, agri-tech ecosystem in, in the continent. So um, I, I am from Nigeria. I uh, grew up almost all my life in Nigeria until um, sometime in 2013 when I moved out of Nigeria for the for the purpose of study. Um, so in 2013 I moved to Australia where I completed my PhD. But before then I did my first degree and masters in in animal science in Nigeria and worked a little bit in the university as a lecturer before um, I moved to Australia and then I came into agri-tech agri and agri-preneurship uh, sometime in 2014 after I um, encountered a group called Startup Pirates and I, I interestingly before that time I didn't have any knowledge about startups and things like that so uh, because of my inquisitiveness you know trying to learn new things every day I just stumbled upon the the group called startup pirates uh, actually before that time i was following this organization called thought for food trying to get to know what they do and stuff like that and i had interest in participating in the challenge because i was still a student then but uh, unfortunately i couldn't because i couldn't find a team from australia to you know participate in a commission with and in fact that's how i got to 
got to know about Startup Pirates. And I contacted these guys and I was like, ah, what, what are you guys all about? I'd like to know more. And then they told me, oh, we help entrepreneurs um, build sustainable business. We work with them over a week period, teach them the different uh, rudiments of starting and building a business and help them raise funds. And I was like, oh, this is quite interesting. And so I asked if I could be their anchor person in Nigeria. I helped them organize um, Startup Pirates in Lagos. And they said, yeah, yeah, we, we can work together. And then we had a call. After the call, everything was um, agreed upon. And then we started working um, towards Startup Pirates in Lagos. So it was in the process of working with Startup Pirates that I started thinking about a, uh, agripreneurship in the first instance. And what led to that was I, I suddenly realized from the little study I was doing at that time that nobody was talking about agriculture. People were talking about healthcare, people were talking about uh, banking and finance, people were talking about education, you know, and different aspects of the economy, but nobody was really talking about agriculture. And I was like, well, what's happening? If I have to be interested in something like this, it has to be agriculture because this is my background and this is where I have more passion. And I mean, this is where my skills and experience and uh, uh, potential lies, you know? So I started thinking deeply about uh, agriculture, uh, people who are doing entrepreneurship in agriculture and all that, and they realized that there was actually a, a huge gap in 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 the in the system as regards to support for agriculture and people who are working in the sector. So eventually, I started you know, trying to find out what's happening in other parts of the world uh, with respect to support for agripreneurs, you know, and um, I realized that some other parts of the world that are beginning to pick up gradually in the support for these guys. And I thought that maybe what we should do is also try to find out uh, the little possible way to, you know, support them in our own continent, Africa and uh, in Nigeria as well. So that's how I eventually came into agripreneurship. Um, so we, I and, and two of my friends who are co-founders decided to come together after I had a chat with them and told them what I've observed and what I feel we can do to help in the in the sector, then then um, that gave birth to the Green Rise Hub. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. So that's all, that's about the Green Rise Hub. What what is the intention of it broadly? I mean, obviously, you've mentioned about supporting the agricultural ecosystem and bringing the kind of um, ecosystem support to bear for uh, uh, entrepreneurs in agriculture. But tell us broadly what you hope to achieve with it. So what we basically hope to achieve with the Green Rise Hub is to, is to uh, provide a platform to raise a new generation of um, young people who, who will uh, play a major role in building sustainable businesses that will contribute to um, food security, in in Africa and at the same time uh, make profit to be able to sustain themselves, uh, build economy by increasing the number of employment within the country and stuff like that. Basically provide opportunity for young people who are passionate about agriculture, have the skills, the potentials, the talents, the interests to, to work in the sector but don't have access to what it takes to you know, work in the sector. Um, so trying to keep them back in the sector for the sole objective 
of making sure that agriculture becomes sustainable as a business in the country that is contributing uh, massively to the entire economy. So that's the, the, the broadly what we are looking at achieving at the long run. Okay, that's fantastic. I mean, you you are quite an inspiration when you think about it, isn't it? You are almost the ideal person to be doing this kind of work. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier about what you are doing right now in Spain. Yeah. Maybe you can expand a little bit on that and how yeah. you almost balance your professional and academic pursuits with the um, ecosystem uh, pursuits that you have as well. Yeah, well, uh, someone just asked me this question, one of the ladies I'm mentoring. Uh, she is building a very, very beautiful company in the agri-tech sector. They asked me exactly the same question just about two right. Right. when we're having a mentoring session and all that. Well, here in uh, Spain, um, I, I am, uh, like I said, uh, a postdoctoral fellow, Maria Curie, a postdoctoral fellow. Uh, my primary uh, employer, if I have to use that word, is the Irish Department uh, for Food and Agriculture. Right. So uh, I'm working with them as a postdoctoral fellow, and I'm on an outgoing phase here at the University of Lyon in the Department of Animal Health uh, in the Faculty right. of Veterinary. So what I'm working on currently is um, I'm trying to develop a strategy to mitigate a problem in pig farms, which we are hoping mm. that interesting maybe maybe hopefully if we work hard and succeed in our work to create a a, a novel uh, method a novel product for mitigating what is called post-winning diarrhea in pig farms which is a problem that results when pigs are separated piglets rather separated from their mothers or from this house uh, too early uh, which is a common thing that the commercial farms actually do. You know, they separate the pigs at 20, 21 days um, instead of leaving them uh, up to at least 28 days and even beyond for them to, you know, get enough milk from the mother and get acclimatized to the mother and the environment. But because of profit and, uh, you know, commercial purpose, they separate them too early. And this mm -hmm. results in a lot in a, yeah, yeah, that's actually what happens in commercial farms. So because of the early separation and mixing them with other piglets, the piglets become a little bit traumatized. They reject feed at, the, at that state. They, their system, their, their guts, gut gets destabilized. The microbiota that they need to, to grow effectively uh, becomes affected. And this results in different kinds of sicknesses. And the major problem is the post-winning diarrhea. So uh, I'm currently working on a project that is trying to identify what is called bioactive milk fractions that we can use to feed the pigs, even if they are separated early in life from their mothers, uh, to try to you know uh, arrest that particular situation. Currently, they use what is called zinc oxide to, to, to solve that problem. But zinc oxide is, um, one, going to be banned by next year in the in the entire EU region, and then secondly, the zinc has uh, an environmental problem. It leads to environmental pollution, and there are a few studies that show also that zinc oxide um, results in um, what is it called again? Uh, a carryover effect, like there mm -hmm. there are deposits, yeah, deposits of zinc materials in the tissues, which result to other kind of problems, you know, uh, with the animal. So. Because of all this, the EU is phasing off the use of zinc to handle post-winning diarrhea. 
And uh, I'm trying to look at a way to handle that using bioactive milk fractions. So that's what I do basically as a researcher and um, and academic. So talking about how I combine wow. these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is incredible. I mean, I must add that that is just some kind of game changing work, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we are look, really looking forward to getting some very good results. Everybody in the team is looking at getting a very wonderful result that will really make a huge contribution to the pig industry. And uh, yeah, we, are, we will do our best and see what happens. Okay, great. Yeah, and then um, combining this with my work as the team lead for the Green Rise Up, I, I will really say that it's not been very easy, but uh, a few things have, have helped us to continue to push on. One is um, the passion for the work. So um, uh, to me personally, I don't feel that the work we're doing at the Green Rise Up is different from the work I'm doing as a researcher. Or as an academic, the reason being that everything is in the sector. I mean, we are all working in in the same sector. What I'm doing in in my research is heading mm. towards um, creating a change in the sector, and then what we're doing in the Green Rise Hub also is is trying to achieve the same thing. So um, that's one thing I I have at the back of my mind that whether it is in the in the research or in the in the business aspect, everything is towards um, building a, a viable agricultural system. And uh, so that passion is there to um, help us keep pushing. Then secondly, we have a team that is, that is you know, uh, very uh, committed or dedicated and tries to, you know, watch each other's back, you know. So um, even though I'm not on ground, most of the times I'm not on ground. So I'm more or less like running the whole thing remotely. But the guys on ground in Nigeria are doing very great work they are committed uh, they know what everybody knows what he is expected to do and uh, um, everybody is doing that as much as um, as possible um yeah so i think basically that that is what is happening having a team that is uh, that has an understanding and it's working together as much as possible and then having that passion understanding that everything we're doing is towards the same goal has been very helpful um, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. What yeah. would you say, though, if I can just go back a little bit to your um, the work that you are doing in Spain? Um, what would you say is the role of research and particularly in agricultural biotechnology in inspiring the next generation of innovations that can take how food is produced forward? The, I, I, I think that research will, will continue to, become, to be relevant in inspiring the next generation of um, young people uh, because um, I've, I've come across a few people who are doing great, great things in the agri-tech sector and uh, basically what they're working on came out of what they um, got out of the research work they were doing. For example, the, the one, one of our speakers in the Green Rise Virtual Accelerator Program um, mm-hmm. was the winner of Thought for Food Challenge in 2018, you know, from Nigeria. He was a global winner of the challenge in 2018. And then I, I had a chat with him a few days, and I was asking him about how they came came across what they are doing and all that. And I realized that it was a research, it was part of the research they did as master students. You know, right. yes, yes, they were yeah. they were three master students working on food preservation, and then they developed this product 
you know, during the research program, uh, uh, our students, and then they took it beyond the common research work, and and it became a, you know a business for them. So research has a very very important role to play. For example, what I'm working on also, I'm not just working on it to develop something that uh, I will just publish in papers and then that will be end be the end of it. I'm looking at okay. at the end of this research work, how can I convert this into uh, an innovation that can be applied, you know, by commercial farmers. So research will continue to drive change, drive innovation, you know, and contribute to the agricultural sector. And um, young people who are doing this research have a very important role to play. I think that where the gap is, is um, in the, in the amount of awareness that these young people have to be able to know that, okay, this thing I'm working on is not just for research. It can be used to empower the sector. Many of them don't have that knowledge. Many of them don't have that understanding. And sometimes the professors that they may be working with may not also have the understanding that, okay, what we're working on can actually be a business that can contribute to the sector. Some of them may just be working for promotion or some of them may just be working for fame. So in as much as research is important, I, I mean, we cannot, uh, you know, downplay the role of research in, in inspiring innovation among you. But the, the, the most important thing is the, the platform or the environment must be such that, you know, support that inspiration as well. Okay. Yeah. So the, the environment must teach the young people that what you're doing can be a business. What you're working on, what you're about developing, or whatever you find out of this work you're doing can actually become a business. And so, you know, that will help them to know that I'm not just doing this and then maybe after that I go back to start looking for a job. I'm doing something that can actually become a job for me in the future. Yeah, I don't know if you understand what I mean. Yeah, so that... Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So if that knowledge can be, you know, um, instilled into into young people to know that this thing you're doing can become a business, then you will see that research will become a stronger tool in inspiring people to, you know, pursue innovation in the sector. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. In fact, in um, quite a few years back, when I was busy with my um, master's studies, one yeah. of the things that I had a look at is how um, different networks influence um, not just innovation, but also enterprise success. When mm. you look at networks with uh, universities and research, as well as um, uh, science hubs or, or, or different research councils that um, different countries have to support uh, research, how that can translate into commercialized products in the market. And I mean, from, from what I had a look at, uh, e even then, there seemed to be quite a bit of a gap. And I wonder if you can shed some light on what models can be used to help commercialize research, really, to help create that translation from, we have found a great solution, which we know scientifically can work, to this is how it can fit into industry, and this is how we can put it out there in the market. Okay, so the uh, I think there are two or three things that we can do to achieve that, and uh, one of them I, it's already happening in in animal science, which is my area, my sector. I don't know about other sectors, but I believe maybe it is happening, and probably will need to be intensified. And that is the collaboration 
between the industries and the research. So what happens in animal science, in, in, in my university where I did my PhD, and I think also here at the University of Lyon, is that okay. there, are, there are several in, um, companies, organizations that are into animal health, animal nutrition, um, animal products, and you know stuff like that. So what these guys do is when they have a problem, and of course it's not every one of them, uh, but a few of them I know do this. When they have a problem, they approach uh, a researcher in the university or a research center in the university and they tell these, these guys, see, we have a problem. We would like to develop, develop a product that will, that will enhance quick digestion of, uh, of um, a carbohydrate you know, that is rich in, in polysaccharide that is not easily digestible if you feed it directly to the animals. You know, so what happens now is that these researchers go back and begin to look at what are the innovative ways that can be used to help the animals digest this particular uh, material quickly. Okay. And so uh, the researchers bring fund into, I mean, the industry brings fund into the research. The research guys use the fund to develop this innovation and then transfer it to the industry, back to the industry that, that will now, you know, scale up the, the, that particular innovation. So I think that one thing that we can do to, to continue to allow the flow of research into the industry, the, the innovation into the industry is to make sure that the collaboration between research and industry continues to grow stronger and stronger. The industry needs to make sure that there is always available funds for for research, you know, based on identified problem because they, they are the people who are out there. They know what the problem is. You know, yeah. so they should be able to come to the research and tell the research guys, uh, okay, this is what we have found out from the field. We want to find a solution to this, and then a collaboration can come in place to work out ways, you know to innovate, to solve such problems, and scale such innovations. The second thing that can be done is, um, I think that, that there, is a, a, there is very little entrepreneurship and innovation education in our universities. Right, right. Most of the, of the uh, studies on innovation and entrepreneurship is where people go to study MBA to obtain a certificate or a degree as uh, a business manager or something like that. And yeah, those guys, they, they're doing a good job. But if people in research will be able to continue to innovate and scale the innovation to the industries, then they have to have this, uh, in, uh, this knowledge that uh, that that is all around you know, innovation and entrepreneurship. So what yeah. I'm trying to say is that entrepreneurship education is 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 important and will definitely play a vital role in helping researchers to understand you know the business aspect of what they are doing. Right, we, right. we wouldn't just uh, just continue to focus on researching and researching and researching without understanding that what we're doing has value. That's why when you go to um, many universities in Nigeria and I, I feel maybe across Africa, you go to the, the, the library, you see uh, shelves full of research, research works that were done many years ago. And it will interest you that this, some of those works are great works that could have transformed you know, the economy and all that, but they are just lying there in the shell. Nobody's implementing them. Nobody is um, uh, talking about them. 
you know, because one, they don't know the value of what they are doing and how to translate it into something great. And then secondly, because because research is, I'm talking about Africa now, as research is not well-funded in Africa. Yeah. Uh, nobody is there to hold you responsible. You're not liable to anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. You just do your things and you go away. But you can imagine what will happen if researchers are to be held responsible for the money given to them by mm-hmm. the industry. Wow. wow. Yeah, it, it means that they have to deliver. They ha- they really have to deliver. This is why... Something tangible, not yes. just theory. Yeah, yeah. Funding. Funding is important. Funding from government is important. But the funding from government is not... Is, I mean, there, there is no um, uh, accountability, strong accountability from the side of the government and mm. the researchers in, in Africa. This is, I think, from personal experience or things I've observed unlike in the Western world where these industries go to the universities, give them money, and you have to report on the fund that you're given. So that makes you to sit up, make sure you deliver innovative ideas, or innovative solution to the industry um, that, can be, that can be taken up and be scaled. So we have to have a strong collaboration between research and industry. We have to have a rethink or, on our curriculum back in Africa. What are we teaching the researchers? I'm not talking about going to business school or doing an MBA and stuff like that. I'm talking about a research pro- people who want to do research. Mm. How much information do they have about business and the relationship between business and research? You know? Um, yeah, so these, these will be very, very key in helping to move research um, and research innovation into, into the industry and scaling them up. That's fantastic. Incredible insights. Thank you so much, Epi, for that. So, um, you know, as per your observations in, on the ground with the different entrepreneurs, as well as in your own professional and academic career, where would you say the big gaps are in innovation? Where would you say, you know, there are particular challenges in industry where, you know, agripreneurs should look at opportunities to innovate in the, in the areas? Uh, I think that um, production is not necessarily a problem. Production is not necessarily one way or the other, people are able to produce. Mm-hmm. Okay, people are able to produce. So, for example, uh, I, I, I just re- realized that in 2019, of all the total amount of export that was done in 2019 by Nigeria from all the sectors, mm-hmm. agriculture contributed only 1%. I think that's a better picture right. of what I wanted to say. Yeah, so agriculture contributed only 1% of the entire export that was done by Nigeria in 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that's about... So, so, why, so, so why is that? Is Nigeria not producing enough for itself <laughs> and for markets? Yeah. Exactly. So it is thought that Nigeria is not producing enough. Nigeria is the largest producer of several food crops in the world. So I think that, one, there is a problem with post-harvest losses. All right. Okay. People produce enough but don't have a means to store these materials or this produce to last long until they're able to sell them. So probably by the time they get opportunity or the chance to sell this product, most of it may have, you know, gotten spoiled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of it have gotten spoiled in one way or the other. 
probably in the process of transporting from one place to the other. So, so post-harvest losses, whether on the farm or in the process of transportation from the farm mm -hmm. to the market, because some produce may have to last longer than expected before they eventually get to the market. And so mm. what happens, how do we, you know, preserve these food, food materials to be able to have enough to export by the time they are, we are ready for, to export them? So I think that one, one area that needs a serious attention is how can farmers, you know, uh, uh, not lose a larger percentage of what they are producing before mm. they get them to the market. And then apart from that, if you're able to keep your produce for as long as possible, how about market access? How soon? Mm -hmm. I mean, you wouldn't have to, you know, preserve the, the, the produce forever. You definitely have mm -hmm. to. If you keep uh, uh, preserving them, it means that you're going to run out of cash at a point in time. Mm -hmm. So there must be market. There must be access to market. So if entrepreneurs or people who are innovating in the sector can develop, continue to develop ways for farmers to access market, whether it is a local market within the country or international market across border in Africa and beyond, mm -hmm. then, I mean, uh, it would be very, very um, beneficial to, to the farmers, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Another way also, another area that I think is important is in the area of uh, value chain addition. Right. So I'm just talking about post-harvest losses. Assuming we have innovative ideas that can, okay, if I have a produce I'm not able to sell in the next 30 days, after 30 days, it will, get in, it will, be, it will become, I mean, it will begin to get bad. Okay. Are there innovative ways that I can convert that particular product after 30 days to something else that will continue to have value? So I don't lose my product. I've already... I've now transformed my product, translated my product from this particular product to another product that has value, you know. Yeah. So the, the value chain is very, I think that the value chain is very weak, is really, really weak, you know. So um, in as much as we need to work on post-harvest losses, de de develop innovation there, we also need to develop innovation on how to, you know, maximize the value chain. Right, right. Um, these three are most are, are very much. Um, uh, I mean, I think I think are very important to to focus on and begin to work on them to continue to empower farmers. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And out of the green rice I have now, how many innovators do you have? Are you supporting at the moment? So uh, in in this current, this is our very first cohort. We've run okay. other kinds of uh, events, but they were not. Um, they were not uh, incubation programs. They were just uh, um, training programs and workshops to um, continue to support agripreneurs in the country. And uh, of course, the Future Agri Challenge also was one of the programs where we try to support someone to have access to a global network and all that. So uh, this yes. is our very first incubation program. And at the moment, we had 54 applications uh, right. across the country. And uh, we selected 14, 14 of them. Right, right. And, and is there a particular one that stands out as an innovation that could really change the game in Nigeria and globally? Globally, uh, hopefully we will build, we'll continue to help them to build until um, we get to that level because when we talk about the okay. global global playground it's uh, a very big one a very yeah, very yeah. <laughs> very very huge one that uh, yeah. 
Um, it will take because we are working at the very we're working with the um, uh, idea stage and um, very early stage uh, startups. So it will be we we can only believe in the in the in the in the teams that we have selected at the moment mm -hmm. that okay these guys uh, will uh, build something that will thrive at the long run. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So. Um, that's a, but yes, um, a few of them uh, are working on things that I believe will will be transformational. And like I said, uh, we we have guys who are working on on post. I think most of them are working on post harvest losses. Right. Uh, a few okay. of them are working on uh, e-commerce, and then some of them are working on uh, on va value chain as well. Okay. So there is there is someone who is um, uh, working on or, or has an idea rather than has not started working on anything but has an idea to um, help farmers identify what is called mycotoxins. Okay. And I don't know if you know about mycotoxins. Mycotoxins are poisonous substances that are produced by fungi. Yeah, yeah, and they are mainly found on grains, grains and and, and nuts as well. So your cereal, your your cereal grains like maize, and uh, millet, sorghum, and all that. If if they are harvested in a particular in a certain kind of condition, and not stored properly as well, and then stored. You know, these they, they they become affected with mycotoxins, which are poisonous. So, meaning that the the value of the um, of the product is reduced. Nobody wants to buy you know such product again. So, these guys are developing a technology. They are, they are developing a tool for real time real time measuring of uh, of mycotoxins in 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 cereal grains. And on on farm, and so I think it's it's something that will really, really, really trans transform the the cereal grain chain in in ah, in, in Nigeria. Okay. Because farmers with with this kind of uh, innovation, farmers will be able to identify what is happening in on uh, on farm with respect to their produce as quickly as possible, and be able to apply necessary um, solution to it. So. That's one one uh, solution or one idea that is really really interesting to me as a person. Okay, um, yeah, it, it's it's quite interesting to me as a person. And then there is uh, another guy who is working on um, mini grid for farmers. You know, electricity okay. power supply is a very big problem, and it is even worse in rural communities where most of these farmers are living. And so there is this guy who is working on creating mini grids in rural areas using waste from agriculture. So he's producing bio, yeah, he's producing biogas and he's transforming it into power that can be can be you know distributed to farmers who are living in rural community. So that's another idea that um, I'm really really interested in and want to see. What will happen with it? And yeah, so there are yeah, there are good ideas that are on on in this present cohort, and uh, we look forward to what they will build at the end of the whole program. Yeah, it sounds very good. Yeah. So, can you outline for us a little bit what the model of the incubator is? I saw um, that uh, you you had a a couple of conversations with international people. You had some 
um, virtual workshops and things like that. How does it work generally from start to end in the program? So the way it works is that we have um, uh, the first part of the program is a two week long, two to three week long um, uh, online course. And the course is uh, full of different topics. I mean, there are different topics on different areas of building business from identifying what are identifying what are really really problems in the sector not just what you uh, you think you're passionate about or what other people are doing and you just want to join them and do that and so of course i just keep telling the guys in the cohort that because you want idea we intentionally chose idea stage and early stage for many reasons one of them is that you can make all the mistakes now and pivot your idea at any point in time. So the courses, the modules in the in the online course include things that have to do with um, identifying problems, uh, generating ideas for the problem, uh, how to discover, how to find customers, how to make sales, and um, things that have to do with business models, how to pitch uh, to an investor, and how to pitch to a customer how to gain traction and keep your traction, how to build a dynamic team and how to um, develop products that are really, really, um, that the customers want to buy and all that. So that will run for two weeks. And aside from the uh, the modules, we have we have sessions, live sessions with each, each, each faculty member or each speaker, uh, where we, okay. we take questions from the cohort cohort members and transfer them to the the speakers to prepare and then we bring the speakers on board on a live session to respond to those questions and then interact generally with the guys on any other question that they may have and uh, try to inspire and encourage them and these these people are people who are who have experience with working with entrepreneurs or or, or building their own businesses and uh, once in a week we have a check-in session with the, with them from a team member that's from a green rise up team member checks in with them to follow up on what is happening and try to see if everything is okay with, the, with them in the course of their program. Then after that, well, at the end of the course, we'll have a pitching program, uh, uh, yeah, kind of a pitching session where uh, teams will pitch and then a, a, a another group of, of uh, teams will be selected again and then be moved into the mentoring session. So the mentoring session will last for about a month. Uh, so one, one, once a week, check in by a mentor. Uh, so the teams that move, move into this particular phase will be allocated to mentors. And then these mentors mm -hmm. will be checking in on them every week, giving them tasks. At this stage, we want them to do technical things to be a little bit more practical. You know, so what have they learned on from the online course? We've learned about customer discovery, the tools to use to discover your customers. We've learned about uh, pitching your ideas and all that. We want them to now pra practice this during the mentoring session. So the what we hope to achieve with the mentoring session is to use these mentors with the experience to push them to go out there to talk to people about what they are building and what they are working on to be sure that they are working on the on the right thing and then that will you know continue for one month and after one after that one month we'll now have the final pitch session where uh, we will now select two or three teams and uh, invest the little that we can to support them and um, continue to help them to we're going to provide them with the course co a working space for about 6 months and, right, right. and uh, provide them with a little bit of um, capital so that's right. how we run, yeah. 
That is fantastic. I mean, how did you decide on that model, actually? Because one would say, in fact, that um, incubators and accelerators for agri-tech and agriculture really takes on a little bit of a different format compared to your straight-down-the-middle startup incubator, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, we well, the idea for this, interestingly, the idea for this virtual accelerator has been on for a long time, even, even um, I mean, before COVID-19, Really, it was it wasn't because of COVID nineteen. Some people may be thinking that we moved to uh, virtual accelerator because of COVID nineteen. No, we didn't. We yeah. we had this um, idea as far back as twenty seventeen or thereabout, but have haven't really been able to you know implement it because of a few things. We're just still starting then and all that. So. Um, uh, first of all, we thought that it will help us to. We're a very new company. We don't have too much money. In fact, we don't have much money. At this stage, we are not making profit. We don't even have any external fund. We are doing everything yeah. with founders fund up to this particular yeah. time. And I think yeah. we had some of this discussion at uh, Future Agro Challenge in Greece, if you listen. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We, we, we are still at that stage. So we've been thinking, personally, I've been thinking as a team lead, how are we going to, you know, be relevant in the sector, uh, making part in the ecosystem without breaking the bank and, um, and uh, you know and all that so i thought okay well uh, so what we can do is to take this online you know mm-hmm. um put everything on a platform where these guys mm-hmm. can access it and then from there we just monitor them uh, make 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 it in such a way that there will be an opportunity or be a time when we'll have a physical meeting but at least have the chunk of the program online you know, so uh, I, I thought that could be possible because it was well, what we, uh, I mean, we have to make use of what we have or make do with what we have. We didn't have too much. And so we came up with that idea to run it online. Uh, and then we, we know that it will reach more people. You know? So if we right. want something physically, we may have to restrict ourselves to Lagos or to Abuja or to Port Harcourt, just one city there in Nigeria. So if you have to yeah. bring people from across the country, you have to find a way to fund them. You have to find a way mm-hmm. to accommodate them for the long, for the entire duration of the program. And, the, and frankly, we don't have that kind of fund. There are guys who are doing, I think Ventures Platform is doing something right. like that. Yeah, he's doing something like that because they have the money. So they run a residency program where guys come in and stay there for two or three months and they take care of everything for them. But we don't have that kind of capacity. But still, we want to have a wider reach in the country. So we yeah. felt a virtual accelerator will give us a wider reach even when we don't have the money. So, but now the idea eventually became, I mean, um, I we finally uh, decided on this idea when I saw what an organization, an incubator in Australia was doing. Yeah. So there is an incubator in Australia called Sprout X. You may want to check them out. Yes, I'm familiar with Sprout X. Yes. Sprout X. So I realized that Sprout X was doing the, the first time I came in contact with Sprout X was through their virtual accelerator program. I was like, okay, this is interesting. You know? Yeah. So I followed it and um, saw what they were doing. And I mean, I just said, okay, this is it. So we, some of the things we're doing was um, modeled after Sprout X Virtual Accelerator uh, at the end of the day. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and I mean, um, I think many would say the territory in which you are active is really for the brave, to be honest, like really early stage, idea stage even, 
um, concepts and innovations are, are considered quite a bit more difficult, particularly yes. in terms of measuring outcome. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, why why did you position yourself there? So, um, I think we went for the idea or the early stage because um, it is it will be as a company from a company perspective judging from where we are and all that okay. we we can only have more impact more influence yeah. on idea and early stage um, entrepreneurs yeah. at this yeah. stage we'll be, we'll be able to help them to understand where they are going and what they want to do and help help them through all that and uh, i think it will be a lot more easier for them to listen because they are still at the learning stage we, mm -hmm. we don't have the capacity to control an organization that is or has, has already raised $500,000 when we don't have that kind of money and all that. So we, we, we are playing at our strength level at this time. I believe okay. that yeah, with time, we will grow and maybe we'll be, we will be able to play with bigger boys and bigger girls and all that. But now we are playing at the level of our strength. And so okay. we still want to remain relevant in the sector. This is the best yeah. thing we can start from and then grow from there, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, so that is right. basically why we decided to go for idea and early stage. People that can listen to us, people that we have what, what we can offer to, you know? Right, uh, right. Yeah. right. That's, that's great, yeah. Mm -hmm. Has the support been forthcoming, though? I mean, if you were to ask the ecosystem for support right now, what, what would you ask for? And why do you believe it hasn't been forthcoming um, so far, or at least it hasn't been as one would hope it would be? Um, I, I think that um, for the ecosystem to continue to thrive, especially agriculture, I, I was also doing some studies and uh, I realized that about uh, about 700 and almost for 750, 747 million was invested in Nigeria in 2019. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, now, out of that 747 million, 62% of it went to fintech. Oh, oh wow. And only 3.7% of 747 million went to agtech in Nigeria. That is a bit painful, yeah. So if I have to ask any support for the ecosystem, I think that the only thing I can, the first thing, primary thing I can ask for is funding for people to do what they want to do. Uh, for example, in, in Green Rise Up, we, we know what, what we are capable of doing, but we don't have funding for it, okay? I'll give you another example, something that happened, and I don't want to mention the organization. There's, there's this organization, two organizations, one is in the UK, the second one is, the other one is in the US. So we approached these guys in the UK and we said, guys, we are working on, this is what we're working on. We are, we are, we made both to say we are the first and the only ad tech specific um, innovation hub in Nigeria. There are hubs in Nigeria that are doing a lot of things, great works, much more than we are doing, you know. But the thing is that their, all their effort goes into fintech or edtech or health tech. And like we, like I just showed you from statistics, maybe less than three percent of the effort goes into agtech and agritech. So we got this guy. And we said we are agritech. We are hundred percent agritech, 
but we don't have funds. We are new, but we have what it takes to support the agri-tech ecosystem in the country. We need some funding. And they said, they told us, oh, look, sorry, uh, we are looking for something more general, you know, people who are doing something that is a little bit diverse and all that. Sorry, we cannot support you at this time. And so we said, oh, okay, no problem. And then we approached the other guys in the U.S. and we, we, we told them the same thing. And, you know, they got back to us and said, uh, when you raise your first fund, you can come back to us. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you can, you can yeah. imagine, you know, they're not even talking about, okay, is this idea a good idea? Is this model a good model? They are only concerned uh -huh. about uh, when you get your first fund, then you can come. Uh -huh. I'm like, okay, so that is why it's been a bit difficult for us to 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 make the uh, the kind of impact we want to make. So I think that with more funding in the ecosystem, focus on agri-tech entrepreneurs and the people the supporting organizations uh, in the country, working with these agripreneurs, having more fund will be very, very important. And then I think that there is need for training for the uh -huh. for people working in the support, as uh, supporting organizations like us now. Uh, I think right. Village Capital is trying to do something in this regard. As we, we have an invitation to join uh, their three months program, which is starting very soon, which is an encouragement to us. But I think that more of these things, more of such trainings, to help people who are uh, venturing into the agtech ecosystem to understand how the business is run, what is involved, what to expect, and how to tackle them will be very, very important. So the human capacity development of the people working in the sector, apart from the money, is very, very important. Yeah. Um, so the problem, the problem is basically because they are the, most of most of the uh, local. I mean, most of the people working in the sector depend on local funding, which is which is. I mean, not much. It's right. very, very, very limited, and it's only at the early stage. You know, uh, institutional investors are not very much interested or available to give into the ag tech sector. Um, the, the, from my understanding, about four thousand to one million is the is the range of investment from institutional investors into ag tech into the agri tech ecosystem. Meanwhile, uh, guys in fintech and edtech gets almost three hundred thousand to as high as forty million dollars, you know, as funded yeah. from investors. But the spirit is huge, and yeah. and for me, it's a bit of a travesty when you think that at least my thoughts are that agriculture is probably our best opportunity on the continent, in fact, to dig ourselves out of poverty and build multi-generational prosperity. One would think that there would be a lot more in the direction of investment into the sector. I mean, we have the perfect, uh, the perfect bed, if I can call it, for sprouting a really thriving agriculture sector and and it can't happen without money. It can't happen without capital. Yeah. Yes. So for me, it's, it's really tragic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. We need funding. We need more funding in the sector. We need uh, training, human capacity development in the sector. Yeah. We need we need policies. Um, more policies. There are policies that have helped to, you know, sustain these guys, these guys, these and entrepreneurs and people working in the ecosystem in Nigeria and all that, but still um, we need more more, more uh, policies that will continue to open up the sector to people to, be, to come into play and um, contribute their quota to the development of the sector. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, I think um, 
we have covered quite a bit today, Ape. Yeah, and just for a little bit of context, um, Ape and I know each other from Future Agro Challenge. We are colleagues in that program, or at least that initiative. Ape yeah. is the country convener in Nigeria for Future Agro Challenge, while I'm the country convener in South Africa for Future yeah, Agro Challenge. Yeah, I forgot and to mention that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we met for the first time in Greece last year. How fantastic it was yeah. to just see uh, just what the agritech um, ecosystem has to offer in terms of solutions for moving innovation forward. That was really, really inspirational. And, you know, we continue to do the work of Future Agri Challenge together with our colleagues in over 60 other countries. So really, I can only wish you the best, Ape. You, you, you are, and, and, and for your diligence as well. I mean, you have been working at this for quite some years. For you to just be seeing it through like this is really inspirational. <laughs> Thank you very much, Flo. I think you're doing yeah. a great job. You, you are really, really doing a great job in uh, in South Africa and with uh, with back and agripreneurs program that you just started. Um, I mean, it's it's um, it's something we need. We need to tell the stories because I think that maybe one of the problem is that the, we in the sector we are not telling our stories enough for people Absolutely. to know. You know, um, so with this platform, we back agripreneurs. It's a good is a good platform to continue to tell the story of what is happening in the ecosystem um, continentally and uh, nationally. So I, I I thank you for for that great job as well. And um, I encourage you to keep it up. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it, Ape. <laughs> you are too generous. <laughs> and thank you for staying to the end of today's episode. As Ape said, uh, there really is a deep wow of talent and potential for innovation in agriculture in Africa. We do need to bring resources together to support initiatives like the Green Bears Hub that aim to uncover and support this potential. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with the Green Rise Hub, they can be found on their website, that is thegreenrisehub.com, and Dr. Ape can be contacted on his email address, which is ape, A-P-E-H, at thegreenrisehub.com. Ape can also be found on LinkedIn if you just search for Dr. Ape Omede. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. Please don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And join us every week on Tuesdays when we release a new episode. You can also find us on our website, which is foodmakers.africa. All of our contacts are on there. I'd love to hear from you if you are an entrepreneur or if you would just like to suggest one to host on the show. Thanks again and cheers for now. <laughs>